Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Pete D. Mayo. Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be back on the podcast again. Are you it's not... been two weeks since we've done this. I know. You're not going to reference the number today. No, I only referenced numbers on even. Mm, I don't know or if that's true. Zeros. I feel like you referenced other numbers. We had this discussion. Melissa's back without her clarinet. Hey, it's nice what? to be back without my clarinet. When, it would be nice if you had it, because then we could listen to some more banging tunes. Well, I'm getting it fixed this weekend, so... What happened to it? How does one break a clarinet? Well, it's not broken. It's just... It has a leaky pad. <laughs> Hate it, it when happens. Hate that. It happens. Mm, a leaky pad. It does. I don't even know what that means. It doesn't matter. Okay. Do you really want to know? It needs to get fixed. Okay. Well, when your leaky pad is fixed, will you come back on the yes. show and play us some more banging tunes? I will do that. And listeners at home, tell us what you want to hear. We did uh, Metallica before. We, we did. Can, so anything it, goes. There are no. Maybe it could be that n- great new Taylor Swift song. It will not be that. Mm. I don't even think that that constitutes music. Ooh. You know Sorry. what? She's going to write a beach song about you Strong next. Words. I'm sure. Her and her posse are going to come round to the fuel uh, travel I'm sure that they are all listening to this right now. Down. You're going to have to settle this beef pretty soon. Ooh, and then... A musical fight where you play the clarinet and then Taylor Swift sings. It's like a sing back playoff. On. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe that could work. Maybe. And we've also got Misha Bakikio here. Hello. Hello. You excited? Football seasons. Around the I corner. am super pumped. I am wearing my goat number four shirt. Yeah, it took a while for some people in the office to understand what that meant. Right? Do you want to explain for everyone listening at home that says why do you have a goat shown? Yes. Well, you know, for the few people out there that don't know who the greatest football player in college football of all time is, that would be Deshaun Watson, and he was number four. And so there's a goat on my shirt because he is the greatest of all time. Faults. It's, I'm sorry you have terrible taste in football teams. This is true. And support teams at a school you didn't even go to. There's always next season. If you're a Gamecock, then it's always next season. And I'm saying that now, even though before we kicked or thrown a single ball, there's always next season. Because mm. this is probably That's not the first time season. I've heard you be an optimist ever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably true. So we're here today to talk about some hotel marketing shenanigans. And we're calling this episode Breaking Bad Advertising. Nice pun there, Melissa. That's no, Misha. Uh, Misha, sorry. <laughs> and I come up with no puns ever. So I'm this the punniest true. of them all. It, it is sort of a dad joke in the title, but we're doing breaking bad advertising and we're going to be debunking some myths from hotel marketing. So things that people have established as truths that we think are falses, like whether or not Deshaun Watson is in fact the greatest of all time. But we will get into that in a little bit. Before we do, let's go. What's going on in the news, Pete? All right, so the first news item I have is, it's actually a negative, I'm going to take a negative view on this news item. So first I'll tell you about it, and then I'm going to rant for a second. Ooh. Ooh. Do you need a soapbox? Getting on a plinth yeah, over here. Yeah, I need to get on a plinth for this one. So this news article is on T News, and it's titled, Delta adds video chat to its customer service lineup. And what you're probably thinking is, they have you know, have an app that allows you to immediately trigger a video chat with an agent to, to solve a problem. But they don't. What they did is at their customer service kiosk, they now have five tablets 
and one of them is low for, for handicapped accessible needs. And all they do is you push a button and you can talk to an agent via chat instead of via phone. That's the whole thing that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not something groundbreaking. And it just shows that technology doesn't necessarily always have to fit, you know, into your, your matrix of customer service in this case. So they're calling it video chat, but it's not actually video chat. Well, it is. You have to go to the counter that used to have a person there that would help you. But now there's just <laughs> a tablet there that you go there and you press start and then you can chat with some agent in a remote location. But so it's not video chat. <laughs> so you're, you're video chatting with them. You know, with so, so it is a visual thing. You're it seeing is. their face and yeah. then mouth. So point. they replace a human in person with a human on a tablet. All right. So yes. th this is PR oh. as best, right? This is positive spin. So they're saying this is a great new feature. But what you're actually saying is, yeah, we don't have a person there anymore. So you have to use technology to get it. Right. And you, know, I think you know, as a in the hospitality business, we have to be careful of saying, hey, let's go ahead and create this new technology that will you know, let us video chat with our guest. But in turn, you're actually taking away the guest experience because all you're doing now is talking to the agent you would have spoken to on the phone, but you can see their face with a headset on, you know, talking back to you. There, there's no value in it for them. It doesn't make the customer service feel better. It probably is going to make it more frustrating knowing that this person is not in front of you, not at the airport, and can't help you really solve your problem right now if we lived in a bizarre world where we never got to interact with real people ever in the past right and and up until now the only way we'd had to access customer service was through our phone through a voice communication through our own device and they rolled this out we'd all be saying great this is innovation right this is a better way to connect it's more convenient it's more frictionless because i can touch a button and, and see a real person that's great but we don't live in that bizarre world. We live in a situation where up until this rolled out, I could go and speak with my face to someone else's face, and it was frictionless to the nth degree, right? Unless there was a huge line. So this this is a step backwards. This is what we've talked about before, when technology should never, ever be a replacement for something. It should be an enhancement. You should use it to give guests an additional choice to what they have already. This is taking away my choice. Well, and it could have been done so much better. When I first read this headline and clicked into it, I was pretty excited. I was like, oh, cool. They're going to have you know a system within their app where wherever you are, you can pull up and look at an agent face-to-face -face and have them solve a problem. Yeah. If you're walking through the airport and you're late, you can speak to somebody and tell them that you have a problem. But no, they don't have it integrated with the app. The people already have you know their phone in their pocket. They're making the person go to a counter to use a mobile device to connect to someone yeah, and I can see where be. this would make sense if there's a long line, right? It gives me a, a, an overflow opportunity. So if I'm standing in a line of 20 people, then maybe I can go use one of these kiosks. But like you said, why not make that available via my own device? Right. So I don't, I'm not tethered to a physical device right there. Right. You know? I feel like the airlines are not far behind the cable providers in like the worst <laughs> experience across the board, but they are still like the biggest companies in the world. Like how do you continue to provide a terrible experience, but cause you're stuck. The consumer is stuck. You yeah. need to get on that plane to go where you need to go and you're stuck. I need to binge watch my cable. Exactly. So I need to watch college football. So yeah, if you ever want to feel better about the job you have, especially if you manage social media for a hotel, oh. go just monitor Delta's social media for a day. Just look at their Twitter feed and how many complaints they get. They're getting multiple, like dozens per minute. 
So think they must have a bunch of people sitting there doing nothing but putting imagine. out fires all day long. And they do respond to everyone. Like when I've tweeted at an airline for various reasons, there was once I was on a plane and this panel, the paneling on the wall next to me <laughs> was hanging off and you could, there was ex- wires exposed. and Not at so, all a big deal. So not concerning at all. And me being the passive aggressive guy, <laughs> what I am, and not wanting the plane to be delayed, right? So rather than telling the att- flight attendant <laughs> and potentially risking not getting to my destination, I tweet to Delta, uh, I'm not sure this is supposed to be like this. Um, but they responded back. They DM me and, and asked me where, what flight it was, what seat I was at, so they could deal with it, which was pretty good. Hmm. Yeah. So, But yeah, that's not necessarily directly you know, accommodations related, but it is customer service related. And I guess my parting words is just to, to think before you, you know, jump to technology to solve what yeah. is a truly a face-to-face relationship right technology like you said should solve a problem or enhance the experience it should never replace hospitality real personal engagement you can you can certainly use this technology but it give the guest a choice never 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 ever compromise the guest experience by using technology all right what's next misha I have an article from Miami Herald, and this one caught my attention because, once again, Airbnb is in the news, which I feel like I'm one of the biggest Airbnb chatters in the office just because I've used it, and I think they're doing a lot to innovate and disrupt the industry, but I also have mixed thoughts on it. So this was, um, again, from the MiamiHerald.com, and the article discusses how some hotels in the Miami area are making money on Airbnb. So this caught my attention for several reasons, and the article is pretty in-depth if you want to check it out. Um, And it really goes into how Miami, being one of the biggest tourist destinations in the world, they obviously have tons of hotels there, and they are waging war, I guess is the term that's being thrown around, against Airbnb. The entire lodging industry is, as far as hotels as the majority are. Um, But there's a lot of hotels in the Miami area that are putting their inventory on Airbnb and successfully making money off of this. And I had some mixed thoughts on this because, you know, the hotel industry as a whole seems to be pretty opposed to Airbnb for several reasons um, that we have discussed thoroughly in other episodes. Um, So I think it's interesting that this particular market is saying, eh, but we can make money off this, right? I'm curious as to, from a consumer perspective, if this is what they're looking for when they're looking for an Airbnb type place to stay. I think a lot of people are looking for something different that's not a hotel. And they're also looking for something that's perhaps more cost effective than a hotel. Um, I mean, worst case, you throw your inventory on Airbnb, people don't book. It's not like it's costing you money. Um, So I just, I'm wondering if that's going to match the consumer expectations for Airbnb. Um, But then I also, from a a hotel perspective i'm like i mean this makes sense if that's where people are booking why not put your inventory on there and it's noted in here several times that the communication one-on-one with the guest is for whatever reason far better versus other ota sites um and the commission is only three percent now i mean who knows they could come up with an entirely different model for hotels that's a little bit more like what you're seeing with the higher commissions but there's a lot of angles to this i thought it was interesting and i'm curious to see if other hotels are going to start experimenting with airbnb since it's clearly not going away anytime soon yeah i i I don't know why more hotels aren't embracing it. I'll be honest, because like you said, the commission is so much lower than the OTAs. And you know, I, I would say when I go and, and use Airbnb, it's it's one of two reasons: either 
the price in that specific market I'm going to is high because of something's going on, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like I'm going for a, a marathon or, or some sporting event or something like that. So there's limited inventory or the, the rates are jacked in the regular hotels. Or I'm going with a group of people and we want a configuration that a hotel might not be conducive mm-hmm. to, right? Uh, those are the two times that I typically will go to an Airbnb. The majority of the time I'll go to a hotel. But, I, you know, Airbnb makes it, easy to search and filter on location on configurations on things like that so i don't think it hurts having this inventory on airbnb from a from a consumer standpoint it just gives you more choice which is always a good thing and from a hotel perspective i think it's great for two reasons one the commission right it's way cheaper than an ota but two you are now getting one-to-one direct communication with a guest right that's that's the silver bullet. If we can establish a relationship with that guest and turn them into, you know, someone that has a great stay and then ultimately an evangelist for a product, then we're doing a great job. So as long as operationally you can manage that by either limiting inventory or having someone dedicated to handle that communication, I think this is a great thing. Airbnb is not going away anytime soon the regulations are coming but it's going to take a long time to get those you know these regulations in place so in the meantime this is again i'm going to use the word i use a lot this is arbitrage time not your competition isn't on here right now so you can get it at a premium lick and you can be an early adopter and get the advantage for that so absolutely i think hotels should be adopting airbnb yeah i i just all these groups and lodging associations that are trying to push airbnb out it's not going to work and it really just reminds me i know we've heard of this particularly in myrtle beach but other markets as well where cab companies are throwing a fit because uber and lyft are in the market now and they're saying it's unfair competition i mean it's competition like that's how the world works and the economy works so while unless you're a cable company well yeah apparently unless you're a cable company um you know, but I just—it's not going to go away anytime soon. There might be some changes and some regulations put in place, but they're not going away. So I completely agree. If they're getting away with three percent inventory, what's the worst thing that happens? People don't book, or better yet, you make more money because you're paying less commissions. Yeah, I think it's, it, it's a no-brainer right now. I think I think if, if Airbnb has a, a good presence in your market, you should at least be putting some of your inventory on there to experiment with it. Oh, so not to get too off tangent, but I was looking at Airbnb because there was an event I was looking to go to. And like you said, there was other things going on. I was looking at a trip to Charleston. So I'm like, oh, let me, I always pop over to Airbnb to check out what's going on. And they had um, a Creekside bungalow that was listed. So I was looking at it and then there's all these pictures of the interior. It's kind of rustic, kind of funky. And then there's an exterior shot and it's literally a shed in this dude's yard. I'm nice. like, that is marketing 101, the Creekside what about bungalow. about the van that you found? Yeah, there was also some guy renting out his van. There, there are like- Van down by the river. <laughs> there are 32 <laughs> castles on Airbnb, you know? There's yeah. every kind of accommodation you can think of. Why shouldn't there be hotel inventory as well? I think mean, it just it's a low cost way to get exposure. For now, I can see that changing. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, obviously, but we're dealing with it now, you know? You've got to live in in the present mm-hmm. in in the market allows you to get low cost new business from a new channel that's not an OTA. Go, why not? You know, go for it. Just make sure you get their email address and you remarket to them so they book direct through you next time and you don't have to pay that 3%. All right, what's next? Melissa, do you have one? I am dry this week. Okay. Is that because unlike of your, your clarinet, yeah. like my because of your leaky pads? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I got one this week. So we've been getting notifications for a few weeks now from the Googles. And what they're telling us through Webmaster Tools or Search Console, as it's now called, is that starting in October of this year, if your site is not HTTPS, i.e. it's not a secure website, then consumers that are using the Chrome browser in incognito windows are going to start getting a warning, right? So that doesn't sound like a big deal, right? How many people use Chrome? You know, there's a, a good chunk, but how many people are looking at your hotel website in incognito window? Probably not that much unless you have porn on your website, right? So that was meant to get a laugh. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're, <laughs> we're going there. All right. So I don't think it's a big deal, but this is a lead indicator of Google's intent, right? And, and Google's been saying for a long time that there's a benefit from an organic search perspective in the algorithm, they are now considering whether or not your site is secure, i.e. it's HTTPS versus HTTP. We know that there is a benefit, but we it's hard to measure the impact of that, right? It, it seems to be somewhat negligible at this point. But what Google's doing by notifying all the people that have signed up for Search Console that they're going to start warning people that are not secure, this tells us that it's important for Google. So... With that said, I think our recommendation, and certainly every site we build here at Fuel now is secure. We haven't gone back for all the, all the old sites for other clients and, and, and updated them, but we probably will here pretty soon. But I think if you're in the process of rebuilding your site or you're considering going to HTTPS from HTTP, and I'm not just talking about your, your booking engine, I'm talking about the entire site, then I think now is the time that you really should be considering that because uh, Google is definitely making a strong argument that or, or a strong indication that they're paying more and more attention to this. Like I think anytime Google goes out of their way to tell you to do something, mm -hmm. you, you should, should probably, probably do, do it. it. And this is clearly a preview of coming events that, okay, it's only Chrome incognito. This could probably be in the next year even just an industry standard for every browser, every search engine i mean it just it's security 101 and people want to feel safe on your site and it's not as if this hasn't been hinted at for a very long time right yeah it's just like when they they've done mobile friendly updates i mean they gave people plenty of time and heads up which is certainly appreciated so it's unlike back in the day when they would release a big update and everybody would notice oh my site dropped we have no idea why you know they're really trying to help people so take a hint do what they say yeah I agree 100%. And it's not a big deal to change your site to secure now. I mean, just talk to your web company or, or you know, go find someone like Fuel that can help you with this. But especially if your site's built on a CMS like WordPress now, it there's really very little cost involved in switching it from non-secure to secure. You know, and even if you're in a, on a legacy platform, it's not that big a deal. Even if you have to go buy your own SSL secure license, it's only a couple hundred bucks a year. It's it's not going to break the bank and you know, obviously the benefits are people in incognito window aren't going to see the warning and you may end up ranking a little bit higher in search engines. So why not do it? There's no reason not to do it. And more importantly, the reason that, that Google is pushing this is security and privacy, right? And privacy is such a big thing today, not just from credit cards, but any kind of PIP, personal identif identifying information is going to be uh, getting more and more scrutinized. There's more and more regulations, especially as you look at, at Europe and what they're doing. So anytime you're collecting names, addresses, email addresses, any of that stuff, at some point it's going to be law. It's going to be mandatory that those are, are encrypted through SSL. So 
now is the time. If you're listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast, which you must be to hear these words, <laughs> then you're smarter than the competition. So go and beat the competition and be one of the first in your market to be HTTPS if you're not already. Cool. So that is the news. Let's jump into the topic. And Misha, this is your episode. You wrote an amazing, maybe your best ever blog article on the Fuel was site. It, a goat it was blog? pretty awesome. It is. It was, was really goat. good. It is Misha's goat. <laughs> It didn't get my goat. It did oh. the opposite of getting my goat. I don't know what that would be. It let your goat out? I, <laughs> I guess. It released my goat. That sounds weird. That does sound weird. Release the goats. <laughs> um, but you wrote this amazing article about the, the, the myths that people hold related to um, hotel marketing. And, and you debunked some of them very, very well. So we got four or five that we're going to go through today. And uh, you can follow along in the show notes at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 61. Uh, or if you just go to fueltravel.com slash blog, you'll see the, the full blog article there. And we'll link to that from the show notes as well. So Misha, you want to kick us off? What's number one? I will kick us off by saying that while we will discuss this you know, overall today, please go check out the article because I have a ton of helpful links in there to resources to other things that will help make your marketing better. Some of those are our resources. Some of those are not our resources. So definitely check out the full article for the full version of this. But um, as Stuart said, we've got some myths for you. We're going to be chemists and come up with the little blue crystals to make your marketing better. Is this the bad, <laughs> bad advertising? The, the breaking, breaking bad. Yes. So myth number one, is there a drum roll? Anybody? Duh. Okay. I myth could th- edit one in, but I'm not okay. going to. <laughs> myth number one, I have a brand new website. I will rank for all of the things. All of the things. All Everything. of the things. Every last one of the things. So is this not true? False. Ooh. No, I rank. When I, when I build a new website, I will rank for all of the things. Yeah. So this is something that we here at Fuel hear a lot is that when people launch a new website, they think it's just gonna fix all their problems. And this is just not true. So hopefully your web team, whether that's somebody that you're working with in-house or if you're working with an agency, took the proper precautions to ensure that your website is as search engine friendly as possible, but this is not always the case and that needs to be a conversation that's had up front. So a lot of times we will have, our clients or you know other people come to us after they do their site where they will work with a design agency to do their website and that's great designers create beautiful websites but the thing to keep in mind is that a there's a difference between a designer who deals with traditional marketing and print and a web designer who thinks web first so first things first you know make sure you're working with someone who understands how websites work and the usability and other things that go into websites And also, even if you're working with the best web designer in the world, there's a difference between a web designer who designs a site, a programmer who builds the site, and then a search engine specialist who optimizes the site. Ideally, you're having conversations with all of those people and they're all on the same page about the process. A lot of times we'll get sites here and it's a beautiful site, but it's either not user friendly and doesn't really work when people are interacting with the site or it's not search engine friendly, and then we've got to go back and fix stuff. And SEO was kind of an afterthought when really that should be something that you're thinking about when you're first designing your site. Yes, agree. So when Google came out last year and said, hey, we're going to give you a big indication of what impacts the search engine uh, results, 
in the top three things are um, links, content, and rank brain, right? Nowhere in that list of things was how aesthetically pleasing your website was. Correct. That is not a ranking factor. Now, indirectly, it has an impact, right? Because people that come to your site and like it and stay on the site and engage with the content, that that is part of rank brain. So that's going to be a good indication. But whether or not you personally love your website, it, it matters zero. Not even one iota. It is zero iotas. Because at the end of the day, if it works for you, then it's doing its job. And what we've also found is it doesn't matter what it is today. Tomorrow it can be better. And, you know, Melissa's team has done a phenomenal job for a lot of our clients with their A-B testing, multivariate testing, and improving the conversion rate on the site and the engagement of the site. And that is part of SEO today because the better your site performs, the more Google's going to see your site as an amazing resource and they're going to rank it better. So building a site, putting it out there, even if you hit every single dot on the checklist of Google from a technical perspective, if it doesn't work from a consumer perspective, if it's not usable, and if it doesn't have the content on the website that the consumers need, it's not going to rank. The technical side is important, but it's not enough to rank on its own. Absolutely. And I think another important part of this is having realistic expectations. And this is before, during, and after the process and at any point in SEO. But, you know, a lot of times I think you get really inflated and excited. You've got this beautiful new website that's launching. It's your first new website in five years. You're really excited. You think it's going to outperform the old site. And that's not necessarily true. While this iteration will probably be better than your old site for whatever reason, you know, keeping in mind consumer intent, what they're searching for, what part of the booking process they're in, and, you know, where your site falls in that is really important. There is really very few cases that I can think of when an individual property website would rank for something like hotels in enter destination. It just doesn't make sense. And so a lot of people get hung up on the rankings and why am I not showing up for whatever the search query may be. And I think you need to really keep in mind, like you're an individual property website. Where do you fit in the ecosystem? Yeah. Do you deserve to be on that keyword? Because if they're typing in hotels in Austin and you're a hotel, but that guest is in the mindset of, I, I don't know any hotels. I need to narrow down my search. I need to consider things like location, price, quality amenities right those are the things one website about one hotel is not going to answer those questions so you're never going to rank for those kind of broad keywords in that scenario you know it's it's you're going to want to rank for those obviously it's from a vanity perspective to be able to say oh look i'm number one for orlando hotel but put yourself in that customer's mindset if they were looking for a hotel in orlando and your result your property was the very first result would they be happy and odds are no because they're not looking for that quite yet yeah, and so, there's so be realistic. Some other ways you can approach this. So when you're looking at, you know, are you in unique property? Do you offer something unique? Those are the the longer tail type keywords where you can look for something a little bit niche. So this could be amenity based searches. So when you're looking at something like Orlando Hotel with Water Park, 
that would be a good fit or proximity based searches. So um, sticking with Orlando, Orlando hotel near convention center or room specific searches, which we've seen pretty good success with, which people are now searching for more specific things. So an example would be three bedroom condo in downtown Orlando. You know, people are slowly narrowing down what they want once they're looking at what's available and people are searching for super specific things. So if you happen to be one of those super specific things, those are the types of things you should target. Yeah, definitely knowing who you are and staying in your lane is really critical when it comes to search engines because you can spend so much time trying to rank for these broad terms and that energy is just wasted whereas if you put 50% of that time into ranking for stuff you deserve to rank for uh, or you're capable of ranking for you're going to have much better business results at the end of the day oh yeah so just taking a quick example with the number of bedroom condos you know at the beach we have a lot of properties that do offer condo style amenities or i'm sorry accommodations so you know taking that individual condo page making sure that the room number is apparent in the url that it's apparent in your header tag which will probably be your page title making sure that it's present throughout the content and then also on the page what do people want they want perhaps an availability calendar they want to see some content about what's in the room they want to see images of the room if you have a property tour awesome put that video or that interactive tour on that page give somebody every single thing they need to know to make a decision about that and those pages for those specific queries tend to have a pretty good conversion rate yeah so so the exercise we always go through with a client to, to kind of shine a light on it is if there's a target keyword that they want to rank for that we don't feel like is is realistic we'll take basically every single page that ranks in the top 10 for that keyword and break down the content and compare it to what content is on our site and, and really realistically have that conversation with them which of these would you want to use if you were a consumer looking for this 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 one that has all these things it has videos and it has a, a neat little tool that helps you and it has all these resources or your site that has none of that you know which one really deserves to rank there and which one is going to help the consumer more at the end of the day and if you can't honestly put your hand on your heart and say my site is the best or is like we talked in the past is 10x compared to the the others in this then then stop trying to fool yourself just stop trying to think you should rank for those keywords vanity does not is not part of google's algorithm and if you have a brand new website, you're super excited about it. It is the best thing in the world to you. But think of it as you're buying a, a race car. Having that race car oh, is not... Oh. Congratulations, you've got a race car. Thanks, But Pete. having that race car is not going to help you make you win you know, the Indy 500. You have to get in it, you have to drive it, and you have to put all the hard work in from an SEO perspective to get to that finish line. And just having it is not going to do anything for you. you got to put the content in, you got to build it the links you have to do everything else to to make it work no analogy man Pete DeMeo. did i fail on that one no that was no. good no you crossed yeah. the finish line on that one buddy room room everybody you can do it <laughs> <laughs> so coming full circle with this we do have some tips and this is by no means an exhaustive list but just some important things to keep in mind when you are relaunching your website so url structure incredibly important I've, we've definitely worked with sites to just have wonky for lack of a better word urls and that need, definitely needs to be cleaned up and it needs to be as intuitive as possible like room id equals 102 that's Tells not nothing. very helpful yeah oh no i definitely want to stay in, in room id 102 you, oh, do you no. how much can that tell you about that room i don't know i don't even know if that's the room number or if that's just the id in the database from which it's being pulled it could be either yeah 
But Use if your you're imagination. Trying to rank for three bedroom condos, not very helpful to have no. that in the URL. So keeping those clean and user friendly as possible. Um, you're going to want to have a dynamic XML sitemap, which is essentially a sitemap that automatically updates when you update your website. And you're going to want to submit that to Google, Google Search <laughs> Console. <laughs> Google. <laughs> Oh, I want to. I want to search on that search engine. <laughs> to Google Search Console, um, you're going to want to have your title tags and meta descriptions optimized, and then also make sure that you're working with someone who is um, well versed with 301 redirects to implement those. And then there's also a link in the show notes for our SEO cheat sheet if you would like more information on auditing your website for SEO purposes. I would add, make sure your site is secure also to this list. That will be added. Ooh, Ooh callback. Yeah. Ooh, nice. All right, what's number two myth, myth buster, Misha? Number two, do, 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 is something that, again, I think we hear a lot of, a lot of pushback when you make this recommendation, but brand PPC is a waste of money. False. <laughs> so an exercise that I like to do with clients, and this needs to be done incognito ideally because you don't want it personalized to you um google your hotel's name more times than not there are going to be otas and meta search sites bidding on your brand what what several reasons for this obviously so otas have picked up on the branded click game and they know that it's a higher purchase intent so the conversion rate's higher on terms that people are intending to purchase. And also they typically have a much lower cost per click because it is less competition. So in their minds, they're like, okay, higher intent to purchase, lower CPC. They want your commission money, so they're going to spend money where the money is. So if you're not bidding on your brand, you're essentially just giving the OTAs free bookings. Yeah, so I mean, it's a math game at the end of the day, right? If you're paying 15 20% for an OTA then as long as you're getting above a 10 to 1 return and it's not cannibalizing your organic search result, which we, we have a lot of data and a lot of people have done a lot of studies that it, it has no impact on your organic search. There's, there's, there's no cannibalization going on. As long as you're getting above a 10 to 1, then you're ahead of the game. And, or go ahead. There's, no, there's no OTAs. But wait, you- but wait. What? what? Wouldn't they just click on my organic search listing anyway? Why do I have to pay for that click, Stuart? Misha? What? What? Why? Let me talk. I have the answer. Oh, the Pete. Answer. <laughs> no, because if you look at the search results page, the organic listing could be in like the eighth or ninth position. But no, have, I ranked number one. You ranked number nine on the page is what it ends yeah. up being. Because oh. you have all this pay-per-click stuff. You have your local listings. And then you have the organic stuff. It's, I mean, it's at the bottom of the page even if you're doing the best you can from a search perspective. So you got to. Yeah, and and the OTAs aren't, don't just have a swipe in the paid ads. They've also on the local as well because mm-hmm. now they're in GHA yeah. as well. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's about real estate at the end of the day. And there's so many people are lazy, right? They're going to click on the first two or three or four links on the page. That's probably not your organic listing. And again, we've, we've done studies where we turn PPC on, we turn it off and see what impact it has on the organic results. There is slim to none impact in, in terms of cannibalization on your organic listing. So you're basically, by not bidding on your brand, you're just saying, I am lazy and I accept that I'm going to get bookings through the OTAs. You can immediately remove 25% of your competition by bidding on your brand. Because if there's four paid listings at the top of the page 
and you're not there, you have four OTAs or competitors in that top those top four positions. By spending a few cents per click to be up there, you're not only giving yourself a better chance of getting the business, you're doing a much better job keeping your competitors away from what are essentially your guests looking for your property. Yeah. And Misa, what is the ROI on a brand PPC ad typically? One million percent. It's not quite, but it's pretty I wish close. it was. No, I mean, typically... I don't like to throw absolutes out there ever just because, you know, as soon as you do that, somebody's going to come back and say, well, that's I not get You guaranteed it. Yeah. yeah. But so typically I like to see at least a thousand percent return. Yeah. And, and we have some that are in the four or five thousand yeah. percent. I mean, it depends, right? There's a lot of factors. It definitely depends. Like if you're, we tend to skew a little bit more towards destinations, which have higher transactions. So, you know, w- w- now that we're working with some hotels that don't necessarily have people staying for a week at a time. You know, we've had to adjust that a little bit, but either way, if you're getting a 750% return, that's still better than a 20%. Way, yeah. It's a much better return, and the cost per click is way less than the commission that you would pay with the OTA. And you own the guest. The OTA doesn't own the guest. You don't have a competitor that's now going to remarket to them. And that's you have priceless. the email address, and you can market to them exclusively. So, Like, aside from the fact that the OTAs are bidding on your brand, to me, the more compelling argument is that just looking at the search engine results pages, even on desktop, which we know is the the lesser of the evil at this point, right? More people are searching on mobile. So on a mobile, forget it. But even on desktop, there is so much stuff ahead of the organic listings and I like I love SEO I would do SEO all day every day if I could but that's just not the reality we live in right so people got a lot of crap to scroll through and there's a lot of distractions on the way to the organic listings so you need to be there or they're not going to see you yeah 100% and, and if it's done right if, if you use all the extensions use, use all the tricks in the trade on your paid ad you can have a lot a big chunk especially if you rank number one you can really take up a lot of real estate on that SERP and, and it's not just reducing the competition by 25% because now your ad might be twice as big as yep. the one below you because you've got all these call outs and extensions and it's a and good like place that. to experiment too. I mean, we've been getting a lot more creative and outside of the box with things like our title tags and meta descriptions on the natural search listings. But this is a great time to differentiate yourself. You know, look at what other people are doing and try to be a little bit different. You can be, you know, a little creative, a little clever with your ads and it will really put you in front of people. Yeah. Top tip, put the word official in your ads. Oh yeah. Official hotel website has been killing it with our ads. Um, But the, the other thing to consider, and I think this is another myth is people assume because someone's searching for your brand name, then they're already aware of you. They're already saying that they're going to stay with you. And I, we've proven that that is not the case, right? Because if you think about how people search today, they'll start on broad terms, right? They'll start on Austin hotels or hotels in Orlando or whatever it is. And they'll end up on probably an OTA or maybe a CBB site or a a local portal or something that they're going to refine their site and find three or four properties that are in their comp set, right? That these are the properties that they're willing to stay. Then they go back to Google and type in the names of those and they might might take type in hotel name reviews or hotel name something like that that's when you want to get them to your site the last thing you want is them to end up on TripAdvisor's version of your site because not only are they going to see exposure to the OTAs but they're also going to see comparable comparable properties and run down that rabbit hole as well so you're kind of short-circuiting their opportunity to go look at not just OTAs but competition 
for people that aren't necessarily brand aware, they may have just learned about your property literally 10 seconds ago on a site that they were narrowing down their selection. So don't assume just because they're typing in your brand, they're definitely going to stay with you. That is definitely not the case. Ready for number three? Sure. At the halfway point. Let's do it. All right. Myth number three, and this is a big one. I'm sure Melissa will have a lot to say about this one. People don't book on mobile. False. Wrong. Wrong. As Negative. Sur- as survey says. <laughs> so not true. So admittedly, in the past, the research and booking process was cumbersome and unenjoyable. But this is 2017, and not all, but a lot of those kinks have been worked out, right? And booking on mobile has won over the hearts of people. It's convenient. It's where they are. It's where they want to be. So not only is it not necessarily a best practice now to have a good mobile experience, but it's really a requirement. I mean, we've talked about how Google has really put preference over sites that are mobile friendly. We are well past the mobile tipping point, and it's now a requirement for websites to have the best mobile experience possible in order to rank for whatever the query might be in search engines. So things are mobile friendly. People are booking on mobile. A stat that I found, and the source is in my full blog article, but this is a fact. 62% of smartphone users have completed a purchase via a mobile device in the past year. That is almost two-thirds of people who have completed that is a, a lot purchase. Of and what we have seen, obviously, in the hotel industry, a little bit different. I think this might that statistic might skew a little bit heavier towards something like retail where the purchase price is smaller or it's a repeat purchase. But still, even with our clients, we're seeing mobile... I mean, year after year after year is just going up and going up and going up. And not just mobile site traffic, but people are converting via mobile. Right. Melissa, we had a milestone this past couple of months, right? We did. We saw a one of our clients now have more than 50% of their bookings on a mobile phone. More than 50%. It's mobile that is phone. Not, mobile not, phone, not, not tablet, tablet, mobile phone, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I, I don't get the resistance from people. I mean, just, just sit and think for a while about how much time you spend on the interwebs on a mobile device versus a desktop for leisure stuff, right? And I'm not talking about work because you're probably sitting in front of your desktop at work. But from a leisure perspective, how much of your time is spent on your mobile phone? I don't open my laptop at home unless it's work-related now. I just I don't. Any research, any purchase I make is on my mobile phone. People are getting mortgages on their mobile phone. Like we, we are transacting everything on mobile now. Well, I, th- I think the problem comes from when you look at the stats at your property or any property, and you only see a small portion of your bookings coming from mobile. That is not an indicator that your customers just don't want to book on mobile, it's probably an indicator that your booking engine kind of sucks and it's not easy for that customer to book online. They want to be able to do so, but if you make the process too hard, they are going to bail. And that's what we found in a lot of our data as well. Yeah, we we have one client, it's a group, that we're on a non-mobile friendly booking engine that we, we took over the client and we put them on a new version of Guest Desk, the mobile first booking engine that we have. They made in the first, and I haven't looked at the data since the first four months of the year, but in the first four months of the year, it's 10 properties 
they made an additional four million dollars that they didn't make from mobile last year and this this their desktop revenue continued pretty it was add-on it was an additional four million dollars that they found just from having a mobile first booking mm-hmm. engine you have to make sure not just your website but your entire booking experience is not mobile friendly we're not we're past mobile friendly we are mobile first. We okay. have multiple clients now that have more than a two-to-one ratio of traffic coming from a mobile phone versus desktop. More than double. It's you. You it, it just do it. You need it. I mean, you mentioned the ten properties had made four million dollars. I know of one as well. A single property is six hundred thousand dollars up in mobile bookings than they were the prior year. It's and crazy. If, if you look at the numbers that's being generated from mobile bookings, it's worth stopping and reevaluating your entire process because that's the kind of money that can make you make big changes in your marketing. Yeah. Stop looking at your website, at your booking engine on your desktop in your office. Start looking at it first and foremost on your mobile phone. When you're proofing, when you've added new content and you want to test it and make sure that you didn't mess up. Look at it on your on your mobile device first, then your desktop. We this is the world we live in. Just think about your own personality, how how you use your mobile device. Like literally, you're opening your phone. I saw some stats. It's over ninety two times a day that we're opening our phones. This is insane. Like I, like how do I do something ninety two times? I actually started counting myself, and and it's tr- for me. I'm over that. Like how many times I pick up my phone and unlock it. It's, it's like over 100 for They me. should have a counter on your phone. That would be so cool. That would be cool. crazy. Yeah, how many I times do, did I you have pick, no interest in seeing that counter. <laughs> it's it's scary. It's scary. It's scary. And and on top of that, 90% of the time we spend on our mobile phones is in apps, not just web browsers as mm-hmm. well. So another compelling argument why you need a mobile app oh, for your Oh, wait. Hotel. Did you just preview myth number four? Mm, maybe mm, I did. Maybe you did. Let's go to number myth four. Myth number four. Great lead-in. I don't need a mobile app. False. Excuse me, sir. I think you do. So a lot of the pushback (laughs) that we hear from this is, well, people don't book via mobile, uh, which we just addressed, so we don't need to go too far into that one. Um, People would just delete the app as soon as they leave the property, so what's the point? Or "Mm, developing an app sounds way too expensive, so we're just not going to do it. And that is erroneous on all accounts. (laughs) Objection, Your Honor. (laughs) (laughs) It is so far from the truth. I mean, we full disclosure, we have a mobile app product called Guest Express, right? So, yes, and it's phenomenal. It's the best damn thing on the market today. Because Case closed. Yes. But, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit, I was not a fanboy of mobile apps when we started developing this product. You know, our core has always been the booking engine, the email platform. And we started uh, over a year ago developing this mobile app platform. And I, I was kind of in the camp of cautiously optimistic. But I've been blown away by the data. you know. And, and we work with independent hotels. So I'm not even talking about chains, right? Who, who obviously there's a more compelling argument with, with chains. But for independent hotels, people not only want an, an app, but they're downloading on mass and they're using it on mass. You know, we got properties, and I've said this before on the podcast, but people are downloading three, four hundred downloads a week at independent hotels. 
right? That's crazy. That's three or 400 people that now don't have to stand in line to check in because they can do it through their mobile phone. That now don't have to get a key card that's costing you 50 cents a pop because they can go straight to their room and use their phone to, to unlock the door. That's, that's three, 400 people a week that you can now communicate with one-to-one and tell them what's going on on property and upsell them and cross-sell them and say, here's the late checkout for only $20 or special happy hour deal in the bar if you show up in the next hour or free appetizer with a paid entree in the restaurant. This is, this is revolutionary. This is a game changer for the industry. Not only does it open up new revenue streams, but it gives you a conduit to communicate with the guests to ensure that they leave the property with a better experience and that they leave not wanting to leave a negative review. What if I told you that every single guest that comes into your property, I can now send a net message two hours after check-in and say, is everything to your satisfaction? If it's not, we, we guarantee we'll fix the situation and giving them an opportunity to let you know. Within two hours, you can solve 90% or you can change the trajectory of 90% of your guests' experience. What if I told you during the middle of the stay, you send them a satisfaction survey and find out what they like, what they don't like, and you can adjust and you can adapt and you can ensure that before they walk out of that property that you've made any problem right and that you're never going to get another negative review. That sounds yeah. amazing, Stuart. That's the world we live in with mobile apps. And That's amazing. And people are downloading them en masse. And not only are they downloading them, you're looking at me like I'm ranting. I'm, just, I, I'm just waiting. Yeah, yeah. you're all just like <laughs> waiting to all, get yeah. an award here. Not, not only are they ranting. I mean, am I <laughs> ranting? Not only are they downloading it, but they're also using it, right? Over 50% of the people that download the apps are using it to check in. They're opening the app nine and a half times on average during this day. So it's a utility that they want, that they need. We did a study last year that you can get from uh, fueltravel.com slash study. And one of the questions we asked was, if you had the opportunity to pay for late checkout, would you do it via a mobile app? And the answer was? Two-thirds of people said yes, they would. So what if I told you for two-thirds of your guests, you could make an extra $10, per per stay? What does that do to your ADR? It increases it. Mm-hmm. And at, what is the expense of someone staying one extra hour at your property? Right. Logistically, you have to shift some things, right? I mean, obviously, because that, that's going to create some housekeeping things. But what if, what if they're checking out on, on a day that's not busy? What if your PMS could tell you whether or not you want to promote that today or not because you, you don't have people? What if it's not even late checkout? What if it's mid-stay? You, you offer to everyone stay an extra night because that inventory has not been sold. Because your PMS already tells you that automatically. And what if you can do that without having to do a thing? You know, that's the power of a mobile app today. It's so crazy. To summarize the benefits, because if we don't, I feel like you'll just keep all of the things. All so, of the things. driving additional revenue, no brainer. One on one communication with the guest, this is a huge one. Better on property experience for your guest, always a good thing. And then operational efficiencies. All of these are good things. Yes, yes. they are. Yeah, and it can have a huge impact on your online reputation, which has far-reaching consequences, right? Because now if you're, if, you, if you're circumventing negative reviews, you're getting more positive reviews, then you can not only get more heads and beds, but you can command a higher ADR from the heads and beds you are getting because you're offering a better quality product. 
And there's so many studies out there that show the correlation between or the ability for you to increase ADR based on your your relative to the market uh, consumer ratings. So it's a no-brainer. And people are using it. I have the data. Call me. I will show you the data. Yeah, if you would like a complimentary demo of the super awesome number one hotel app on the industry, you can drop us a line and we'll give that to you and I'll even come on and tell you some dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed dad Guaranteed jokes. Guaranteed the laugh. Yeah, just email us, info at fueltravel.com and, we, and we'll be glad to show you Guest Express. Or you can just go to guestexpressapp.com. Just guestexpressapp.com. Pricing's there. All the information's there. It's Transparent it's, pricing. It what? has transparent pricing. We don't, we don't mess around with people. We don't give different people different pricing. Everyone gets the same price. And it's very, very affordable. So go check it out at guestexpressapp.com. Public service announcement over. Ready for number five? Sure. The last and final myth we're about to drop. Social media does not have an ROI. False. Just playing around on the book face, not making money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just people like yeah. looking at... Like, why would you, know, you hire junk. a dedicated person to play on the internet all day? Makes no sense. Yeah, Garbage. I mean, all they're doing is pushing out content for people to click like and I mean that doesn't make me yeah. money so why do you need a social media strategy and this doesn't mean you're just gonna set up your page and like post once a week right this means like a dedicated I gotta be there I gotta be present I need a plan for this right so number one give your hotel a voice there's billions of people on Facebook maybe just millions I don't know we'll go with billions there are billions billions of people on Facebook you need to be there you brand needs to have a presence you can communicate directly with your guests. So if somebody has a question and they're too lazy to pick up the phone, which your mind will be blown. Maybe with the they're like me and they just don't like to talk on yeah, the phone. They do, I mean, pages that we manage get so many messages. But it's people asking very, like, important questions. You know, it might be somebody asking about rates. So you can send them to your specials page. Or it might be somebody asking, you know, handicap accessible, whatever it might be. People are definitely using the messaging feature. So you want to be there to address those. You can share meaningful content for various points in their research and booking process. So this might be about your property specifically, or it might just be about your destination. It might just be something that can help them plan their vacation, whatever it might be. You can also showcase user-generated content, which is so powerful. And we actually work with a lot of vendors that work specifically in this space, but people that are sharing their stories, that are leaving reviews about your property, that are sharing videos or whatever it might be, you can repurpose that on your page. And then also reaching new customers, you know, whether that might be somebody who just likes your page for the first time or dabbling with advertising and reaching people that you otherwise wouldn't have reached. So this is definitely a space that you need to invest some time and thought into. I will say this in case our listeners are not aware of my role in this organization. I have the key to all the data. I look at all the data all the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I am blown away. I will be the first to say I was, I was a skeptic about social media and generating revenue. But I see the numbers in front of me every single day, and I'm absolutely blown away that there is real, true revenue coming in from social media. It, yeah. It's happening for real. Yeah, yep. and five, six, seven years ago, that probably wasn't the it case. It wasn't, you know? but it certainly is now. Mm -hmm. So I pulled, speaking of data, I pulled some numbers, um, and this was just pulled from May, June, and July of just this year. Um, I left the property names off, but just the revenue that was coming in for three months, one property had 
$7,722 generated, one property had $6,593 generated, and one property had $4,500 generated from organic Facebook. This is not paid anything because we use separate campaign tracking for that. So this is just paid, or I mean, sorry, unpaid organic posts on your page. Right. So that that's like the bare minimum, right? Just yeah. posting out. There's people that literally, and that's probably, we're looking at last click analytics there. So that's people that clicked directly from a post and went on to book in that session. That doesn't count all the people you influenced to come back through search or through, through your email or other stuff. Doesn't include all the people that you hit up through paid which, I mean, the return on paid is phenomenal. Arbitrage is a real thing on paid social media media still because the cost per click is ridiculous. We're getting email addresses still for less than 10 cents a pop on social media. We're getting revenue generated through bookings at a phenomenal ROI from either boosted posts or or, or um the, the ads that actually collect the email addresses or even dynamic ads for travel. These are phenomenal opportunities. But beyond that, think about it this way. For a lot of people, they spend the majority of their time on the internet on social media. For a lot of people, social media is the internet. And if you have a product that is going to matter to people, that you have a story to tell that is going to compel people, if you have a value to offer someone to come book with you, then if your audience is on social media, then you have to, in order to get in front of them, be promoting yourself on social media because that's where they're consuming their content, right? They're, they're, that's where their attention is. It used to be on TV and radio and search engines. Now it's on social media for a good chunk of people. So just getting out in front of them is is critical. So ROI, and again, we, we have a lot of data like Misha just gave out some of it, the paid side, the return is a lot better. I have an example. Do you want to give us a paid example? Yeah. And, so this and then I want to get to my next point. The best one that I saw. So this was um, a promoted post that we did in the spring for a client. Relatively small budget, which just proves my point that you don't have to have a huge budget to implement these types of things. Um, just to get to the point, their budget was $100 for this post. It was a visual piece that illustrated how cost effective it was to travel to this destination in your car so it was color coded with how much gas money it would take to travel to the destination pretty interesting unique piece we spent a hundred dollars to promote it it generated twenty two hundred dollars in revenue that is a pretty good that's twenty two hundred percent ROAS. that's pretty good pretty awesome yeah and I mean, it only cost a hundred dollars yeah. you yeah. don't have to throw all the money in the world at this right and that's twenty two hundred dollars. They probably would not have gotten had they not spent that hundred dollars. So I would spend hundreds of dollars all day every day if I'm getting that kind of twenty two to one return. That's phenomenal. And then the other thing on social media is the ability to leverage your guests as marketers, right? So getting people when they've booked with you to share that with their fan base or their friends or their followers, like having them be excited and telling other people that they're excited because there's such a, a there's such a psychological impact when people see that their friends are going to a specific destination you know it's interesting i just came back from vacation we went to um, fripp island down near buford south carolina and there's like four or five people that i know had been there in the last 12 months and that's why we ended up going there was because we'd heard so many people but since i've gone and people have asked and they've seen the photos that we posted on social media and they, they and they see that we had such a good time. 
I know at least four other people that have now booked a vacation in the same destination because they know we did it and that we had a good time and that they saw it on social media. So encouraging people to do that, to become evangelists is critical. That's one of the really powerful things that products like flip to offer, right? Because they take every single guest and they encourage them and they incentivize them to tell their stories on social media and that becomes content for your website. But also, once they do share their stories, they encourage the friends of the storytellers to come back by offering them value. And the return on investment in that is is ridiculous. When you see the reach, when when a hotel can reach two, three hundred thousand people on social media in twenty four hours, which happened with one of our clients when they switched on Flip Two, and then of those people, they generated tens of thousands of revenue within the first couple of weeks. I mean, it's, it's crazy. That's the ROI of social media. It's tapping into where people are and leveraging those people to help you spread the message of you having a good product. But at the end of the day, the ROI on social media is gonna depend on how good your product is. If you have a crappy property and people have a crappy experience, social media is probably the last place you wanna be investing. But if you have a great property with a unique value proposition, a unique personality, then social media, you need to be all in because that is where you're going to shine a light on the greatness of your property and you're going to get a great return for that. Yeah, and this social media is just another touch point in the funnel, right? So a lot of times when people are considering where to stay, especially on a leisure vacation, they're going to go check your Facebook page. They're going to go see if you're on Instagram or Twitter or whatever channel they might be interested in. So just another touch point in that process. So even if they look at your Facebook page and they don't necessarily like your page or they don't book from Facebook, they still went there and that was a persuasive point for them to continue in that process. Yeah, in the the same study I referenced earlier, the fueltravel.com slash study, one of the other questions we asked was, do you look at the hotel's Facebook page before making a booking? 34% of people said they did. That seemed like a high number to me, but when I really think about it, it makes sense. You know, people are looking to make sure that the property has it together. They want authentic, real people's stories. They want to see what other people have experienced. So yeah, people, whether you know it or not, are looking at your Facebook page. So don't focus so much on the, the size of your list, but focus on quality list and focus on quality content and encourage every guest that comes to your property to share their content on social media. Did I just hear you say that size doesn't matter? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> All righty then. All righty then. So those are the myths busted. Boom. I would drop this mic if it wasn't attached to a microphone holder. It's called a... Boom arm or something. I don't forget what that's called. Like a spidery arm thing. Okay, I would drop the mic if it wasn't attached to the spider arm. But if you have any other myths you would like to bust, let us know. I can add it to the list. We can talk about them later. Yeah, we like busting myths. So no more breaking bad advertising. No, but we do have a question. Ooh. We just got a question. <laughs> we, we, just just got got a question. question. we just got a question. We just got a question. I wonder who it's from. Ooh. Hey, this letter's from Mary. Hi, Mary. <coughs> Mary, hey. Mary says, Hi, Fueligans. I adore your podcast and all the extremely useful info you share. Keep the wisdom coming. Here's my question. We're planning to open a 16-unit ocean fr- Oceanside Resort 
off the on the coast of Chile, about 25 minutes from Casablanca Valley. Construction is going well, and we hope to welcome guests in six months. What's the most effective way to market prior to opening? Thanks in advance. Great question, Mary, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening all the way in Chile. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, do you call it Chile? I've heard other Americans call it Chile. Uh, I call it Chile, but I think it's Chile. I think it's Chile. Mm. Is it? I call it Chile. I don't care what it is. It's just what I call it. Chile. It's going to be getting hot down in Chile because we've got 16 more rooms opening up, and Mary needs some help. Right. So who wants to tackle this one? I'll, I'll share my two cents. Uh, first of all, the most important thing you can do leading up to opening is make sure you're going to be ready to open. There's so many things in terms of making sure your site is ready, making sure your booking engine is set up, making sure that you've got your social media profiles claimed, your local listings claimed, and all that stuff. It takes a lot more time than you think. As a matter of fact, right now we're working on opening up a brand new resort and working with the property to get all these things in line just so you really can begin marketing does take a lot of time. So hopefully you've gotten that stuff taken care of. And if you have, I think that's when it's very important to start building that social capital, building up your content so that people start learning about your property organically. Because typically it's gonna be, you're not going to want to spend a lot of paid you know, media assets to go after customers when they can't actually book just yet. See, I somewhat disagree with you just because now's the time to start building that awareness. Your biggest challenge is that people don't know about you. There is zero demand for your brand right now. You have to create that. So I do think you're going to want to start priming people for that. So I don't think you have to spend a ton, but even on social, you know, you can start, have your Facebook page, start acquiring some fans on your website where you're sending your traffic. You want to have a pop-up so you can start collecting those Mm -hmm. email addresses. If you have the budget to do a little bit of PR, reaching out to some travel bloggers, inviting them, um, even, you know, maybe not before you break ground, but as you're building the property, come tour the area, come see what we've got going on. Maybe try to build some links for your website. Do think, you know, if you really want to start reaching people and priming them so that when you do open the demand is there, you're going to have to spend some money. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think you've got to get ahead of it and, and creating demand and, and awareness is critical. But you you also mechanically have to understand the, the cycle, right? So if you're in a place like Chile then and you're getting a lot of international travelers, these folks are probably booking 6 to 12 months ahead, mm-hmm. right? So realistically, I don't know where you are, but you've got to figure out your technology stack ASAP. You've got to figure out your PMS, your website, your, your booking engine, um, all that stuff now because you need to be taking bookings tomorrow. I mean, the, the sooner the better because if if you do, you're going to get people on the books ahead of time. So I think you've got to figure that out. Make sure that your booking engine is mobile first. If you need a booking engine, then Guest Desk would be one to check out. And if you need advice on uh, you know what kind of PMS you, you, you should use, then let us know. But I think back to, to Misha's point, once you've got that up, once you've got a website up, in your collecting email addresses, you got to find a way to build anticipation, right? So you got to find some kind of tricks or tactics that are going to pique people's interest to try to figure out what your niche is, try to figure out what's unique and valuable about you. Are you going after specific demographics? I don't know that area specifically, but what is it famous for? How can you do things better than anyone else in that market? What makes you stand out? 
and go all in on that. So if, for example, you're going to be really all in on health and wellness, then go reach out to a bunch of famous yoga um, evangelists and invite them to your property for the grand opening, you know, and, and do stuff like that. It's going to create goodwill and create buzz. Go find out who the influencers are in the niche that you're targeting and start engaging with them. Start educating them on what you're doing and why you're doing it and the story behind that so that you can get some good positive sentiment and hopefully some good exposure. And, and I think PR is great. I think if you can get into some travel magazines and things like that by being aggressive, sending out decks to, to folks like that, then, then that is going to get you so much free exposure or, or paid exposure that is going to not just get people interested in property now, but that's going to have residual impact as you go forward. The other thing is the sooner you get your website up, the sooner you're going to start building search engine equity and the better chance you're going to have to rank in the long term. So if you focus on the basics, call great mobile friendly website, start building your email database today, start building your social assets today. Don't wait and, and you'll be fine, you know, but try to stay, stand out from the crowd because if you're just you know, another property and a destination with a bunch of other properties, you're, you know, you're going to struggle. Try to stand out by being unique. Understand what you're passionate about and, and try to leverage that as part of your story for the property. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Stuart. And going back to really knowing who you are and why you stand out. I mean, this sounds like it's going to be a beautiful property. It's seaside in Chile or Chile. Um, not sure how to pronounce it, but obviously a boutique property. I'm imagining it's a little bit more upscale. So thinking about, you know, like you said, who your key audience is, this could be a fantastic honeymoon destination. So understanding, okay, you want to go after honeymooners, start with some content for that. Look at, you know, um, Chilean honeymoon destinations. Start Googling things that are related to the type of people that you want to attract and create some awesome content around that. You are right next to wine country you know next to argentina they've got some great malbecs from what i understand so looking at maybe the wine connoisseurs and some wine travel trips you know thinking about who you want to attract based on who you are and then what those people are going to be searching for looking at what's ranking for that and seeing how you can either do it better or if it's you know a travel blogger who's created a list reaching out to them like you said Stuart, doing some strategic outreach is going to really pay off yeah so if, if following up on that if if you are a romantic destination right a honeymoon destination in south america then go google romantic holiday destinations in south america find the people that have written an article about that that maybe is a little bit out of date and just do outreach Send them an email. Hey, I read your article. It's really good. I got a lot out of it. I just wanted to let you know that we're opening this property. I'd love for you to um, cover it in your updated article or invite them to come stay at the property. You know, that, that can sometimes be the best marketing investment, paying for someone to come stay at the property while you're trying to get the wheels moving. Another awesome way was just taking the honeymoon idea. Or it could be anything that you're trying to target. It could be wine people, whatever. But going off of honeymoons, to a good way to create buzz could be doing some type of giveaway. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to give away a free honeymoon, people be all about that. You would definitely generate some links to your website, which would help your website equity. You would definitely be able to build that fan base of people following you, collecting email addresses, liking your Facebook page. And ultimately you make a couple super happy because you make their wedding by giving them an awesome honeymoon. Yeah. And then that turns into great content, right? Use that as an opportunity to take great photography of someone experiencing a honeymoon, letting you tell their story helps you tell the story of the property as well. So I'd look at also, you know, take a page out of, you know, Jay Bear's playbook and Gary Vaynerchuk and really be helpful. Right now you can't sell or you nobody can stay at your property for at least six months, but you can be very helpful for the six months leading up to that. So make sure, and the other thing too is you're not having people actively searching for you. So go out and actively search for people who need help getting to and staying in Chile. Being everything you can be. If someone is looking for you know, a wine tour, if someone's looking for a romantic getaway, do everything you can go above and beyond to help them and start building out those brand advocates before you ever even have a bed for them to stay in. Yeah. So using, using tools like Twitter, right? Just searching on Twitter for people that are tweeting about Chile and romance and things like that. Looking on the uh, TripAdvisor forums, you know, Mm -hmm. is another great opportunity in responding to people. Well, and there's social listening tools that can help expedite that too, if you want to invest in it. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, just, just be scrappy with it. Just, just go try to understand who your target audience is, figure out what questions they have and figure out how to answer them. And, and as you build out your website, start to build out the content on your website. And, and once you start seeing patterns of the same questions being asked on social media and forums, be the resource where people that next time they search for it, your website's going to be what ranks organically on search mm-hmm. engines. Like figure out that top 50, 100 FAQs that get asked about your destination or, or Chile in general or the type of demographic you're going after and create great, engaging, very... Um, comprehensive content that's going to answer every one of those questions. You don't have to do that all today, but by the time you launch, your goal should be to have at least 50 in the bag. With, with most hotels, especially in hotels and destinations, you're not selling the room only. You're selling the experience, you're selling the destination, and you're selling your hospitality. The good thing is, of all those little things I just listed, only one of them is not available right now. You can do all the rest of them be hospitable, you know, welcoming, help people, do all that now. And then six months from now, when you're ready to actually have people stay, that problem will solve itself. And I was just going to chime in on both social media and email and using social media to start building that email database. No better time than now, even though you don't have a bed to sell at the moment, start cultivating those leads. Because as Stuart said, probably people are starting to plan longer term out. Start cultivating those fans, start cultivating that list, warm them up the right way. And social media can be a really inexpensive way to start building those leads. Yeah. Check out lead ads in Facebook because Mm -hmm. they, they can, like I said earlier, 10 cents or less per email address. You can, if you're targeting the right audience, you can really generate a lot of emails. And Facebook targeting is my favorite thing. It's so, so fantastic. Oh, and the other thing you need to do, and Pete kind of touched on this, make sure all your local listings are not only claimed, but optimized, you know, Mm -hmm. upload all the, photography and descriptions and all the stuff you can and and not just on google and bing but go get citations on any directory you can yeah. find anywhere you can find them go mm-hmm. way down that rabbit hole yeah i would i would say you're opening a new property there's going to be delays 
make sure when you're ready to start accepting reservations that you're, you're gonna be ready yes make sure you set a realistic deadline for when you'll actually be open because nothing after you spent all this hard work building your social capital nothing will destroy that faster than not being open and have someone fly in and not have a place to stay yeah, yeah. and then once all these you know the marketing all the marketing in the world is great but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the experience. So the day you open those doors and the first guest sets foot in your property, you have to, have to, have to make sure they have a phenomenal experience. Because if you're a small property, you are going to live or die on your reputation. And your reputation is going to be dictated by the experience that the guest has. So you have to, 16 rooms is small enough that you can make every guest feel like a king or a queen and have a phenomenal experience and you can ensure that not one person leaves that property not wanting to go tell the rest of their, the world how great an experience it was you know and, and one thing last thing I'll, I'll leave with that as well is people love to see stuff getting built now i know with you know 16 rooms it's not going to be a high rise or something but posting a daily picture of what's happening you know me personally i'd love to see that i like watching you know, buildings go up and, you know, stuff happens. So, you know, if you're posting that daily to, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever else it might be, yeah. you're going to get a lot of people just following you just for, for that. Yeah. Fact. And do some videos of behind the scenes of you, you figuring out like the decor, like it, there's a lot of people really interested in design. And, and if you're a 16 property boutique, I, my guess is in the fact you care so much to, to listen to this podcast and email us as well. That, that tells me you probably care a lot about the design. You're putting a lot of thought into that. So share that story. Lift the curtain a little bit. Take videos, just candid videos of you and your partners going through that process of making these decisions and, and why you're making these decisions and what you're doing to ensure that the guests that come here are going to have a great experience. Let's tell that story because that's authentic and authenticity is more compelling than anything else you can do. And also, if you would like to send us some Chilean wine, you can send that to 3023 <laughs> Church Street, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 29577, address USA. to Misha. <laughs> and, and or cats. Eh, I'm kind of the cat cats. wagon. I'm not going to lie. Cats. Like, I'm still team cats and wine, but my cats are kind of driving me crazy. So. All right. So more wine, Home less probs. cats. Yeah. More wine, less cats. All right. Well, that was a long, super duper episode. But I felt like we covered a lot of myths. We busted a lot of myths. And we answered a great question for Mary. And so. we created a new search engine. <laughs> Called Gurgle. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to go see if Gurgle.com exists and what mm, it is. That might be a risky mm, search. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Gurgle, Gurgle. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> moving on. Okay. Pete, where can they find you on the web? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at PDMAO, P-D-I-M. A-I-O. And Melissa. I'm on Twitter at Ma Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Misha. I'm on gurgle.com. <laughs> you can find me. You can gurgle me on. Oh, bad. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and chirp me some dad jokes at Marketing Misha. That's at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And you can get the notes to this episode at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 61. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast.
Ear. ear potatoes. What is that? Uh, maybe I'll just Google it. I feel like that's a recipe for throwing up. Zip it, bam, bam, boom, bow. <laughs> what was that, dude? <laughs> that was 